I want to read to you from Psalm 58. Our weekly reading is usually here in the Psalms. Occasionally it's a little different. So for 58 weeks and change, we have been reading these. Psalm 58 is another mictum. Psalm 58 begins saying, To the chief musician set to do not destroy, which would be the name of a melody, name of a song. It's a mictum of David. Remember that word mictum means uh, to be engraved. It, it's something that is especially uh, earnestly on the heart of the writer that this would be recorded and remembered. So listen along with me. Um, this is this is going to take us a few minutes. Concentrate. Do you indeed speak righteousness, you silent ones? Early in the psalm here, this this is actually an accusation. This the silent ones um, are are being charged with a wrong from David. So he says, do you indeed speak righteousness, you silent ones? It's a rhetorical question, and the answer is no. Do you judge uprightly, you sons of men? It's another rhetorical question, and the answer is no. No, in heart you work wickedness. You weigh out the violence of your hands in the earth. And he says, the wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray as soon as they are born, speaking lies. This isn't especially mean, you guys. This, this, is, this is a state of man in his natural birth mode. Men are not born honest, pure truth tellers. We learn to be convicted about lying, and, and we learn to love the truth. Men prefer lies. He says the wicked are estranged from the womb. It's a simple Truth, They go astray as soon as they are born, speaking lies. Verse 4, their poison is like the poison of a serpent. They're like the deaf cobra that stops its ear, which will not heed the voice of charmers. We'll speak a little bit on this in a second here. He says, charming ever so skillfully. The charmer skills skillfully, but the cobra will not heed. And the cobra is a picture of this person who is the wicked, estranged, who have gone astray. Finally, David says in verse 6, Break their teeth in their mouth, O God. Break out the fangs of the young lions, O Lord. Let them flow away as waters, which run continually when he bends his bow. Let his arrows be as if cut in pieces. Let them be like a snail, which melts away as it goes like a stillborn child of a woman that they may not see the sun. Before your pots can feel the burning thorns, he shall take them away as with a whirlwind, as in his living and burning wrath. Now the scene changes here. The perspective changes in the psalm. He says, the righteous shall rejoice when he sees the vengeance. He shall wash his feet in the blood of the wicked, So that men will say, surely there is a reward for the righteous. Surely he is God who judges in the earth. Now, an important thing for us to remember, especially between verses uh, 10 and 11, it's really easy for Christians to be self 
righteous. It's really easy for non-Christians to look at Christians as self-righteous. The one writing this and, and the one who makes the shift of scene here at verse 10 is the man who put Uriah to death. He's, he's the one who set up the situation so that the, the woman he committed adultery with and her husband would be permanently separated from one another. This, this King David is a murderer. So Christians, along with David, we're, we can never be self-righteous people. We're not self-righteous people. I would chide you and correct you and warn you against self-righteousness. Be humble people. Be willing to admit your sins. Be willing to confess your sins. The righteous are the ones who bring their confessions to God. The righteous are the ones who confess their sins to God. The righteous are the ones who wear the righteousness of Christ. The righteousness of a Christian is not in your good deeds. They're not where you boast or make your claim to to goodness or righteousness. Your righteousness is in the Savior. Now, the men and women of the Old Testament didn't know the Savior by the name Jesus Christ, but they knew him by the promise in Genesis chapter 3. They knew him by the promises to David. They knew him by the promises to Abraham. So it says the righteous shall rejoice. That's it's not a statement about these self-righteous people with no sin in their lives, but it's speaking about those ones who are committed and devoted and hopeful and confident in God's favor for them, and they walk with Him. Wickedness, which is the where, where this psalm begins. This is a psalm about wickedness. Verse 3, the wicked are strange, you go astray. Wickedness is godlessness. And, and in their heart, they are without the true creator. They are without the master. They are without the teacher. This is what godlessness is. This is what wickedness is. It's without God the creator. Without the redeemer. They are for almost any kingdom... They are for almost any victory, any any reign, any ruling, except for the king of kings. And they are not for his kingdom. The, the path of these godless ones is a worn and wide path. A path with many seekers. A path with many travelers. A path with many worshipers. A mistake that that I believe everybody makes, Christian and non-Christian makes is is making the wrong kinds of, of of discernments about who these people are in this world. They make wrong discernments about themselves. In other words, on the path of the unsaved are many worshipers. Do you know that? There's a lot of worshipers on the path that's going to hell. You know, the Lord Jesus warned his followers, take the narrow path, take the narrow way, go through the narrow door. Do you think non-Christians, these are scare quotes, worship? Do you think non-Christians worship? Of course they do. Do you think non-Christians pray? Of course they do. Do you think non-Christians go to church? Of course they do. These people that David is referring to in the psalm, they're they're not of a Gentile nation. 
They're not of people who don't know the name of Yahweh or Jehovah. They're religious people. The wicked are estranged from the womb and they go astray as soon as they are born, is what he said in verse 3, speaking lies. David saw some of these silent ones, is what he pointed to us to see. They're silent and they work wickedness in their, in their silence, is what he said. They're working wickedness in their silence. Verses 3 to 9 talk about how it is that they are alienated. They're alienated from, from their birth. How? Why? How do we see it? They're out of sync. That's what their alienation means. In other words, God's works and God's ways are plainly revealed to God's people. But these who are estranged from the womb, they're, they're not in the way of truth. They're not in the way of righteousness. They're not in the way of humility before their creator. And so David is describing their influence. He's describing their disloyalty to truth. And interestingly, he reveals that this life is, he calls it a poison in this psalm, doesn't he? What's the poisonous thing in this psalm? What's the poisonous thing? A cobra. Okay? If we, he says, verse 4, their poison is like the poison of a serpent. They are like the deaf cobra that stops its ear. What's wrong with the cobra? It doesn't hear. Why is that bad in, in what David's talking about here? Why is it bad? It can't be corrected. You know how the Lord Jesus spoke about people who were always hearing but never hearing? Did the Lord Jesus speak about people who hear but won't listen? Yes, he did. It was, I believe, one of his favorite themes because everybody can hear almost, but they don't listen. This is being referred to by David here in this psalm. Their poison is like the poison of a serpent. He's not talking about poisonous snakes. He's talking about those who have gone astray from the womb. Right? What, what, do, do people have cobra's poison in their teeth? No. What kind of poison do they have? They have poison words and they have poison lives. He calls them the silent ones early in this passage, right? He says, do you indeed speak righteousness, you silent ones? How is not speaking unrighteous? There are times when you should speak about what's right and about what's true, but you won't because you're afraid. You're afraid if you speak up, then you're going to be ridiculed. You're afraid if you speak up, you're going to be chastised. David is calling them unrighteous. Do you judge uprightly, you sons of men? No. In other words, he's saying, judge rightly. Don't sit there silently. Your silence and your unwillingness to judge makes you like a serpent. It's poisonous. When you sit there fearful and when you won't speak, when you won't judge rightly, you're empowering others to sit there and be silent. David's 
warning you of the perils. He's, he's warning in this psalm. When you sit there and do nothing and when you won't judge what's right and what's wrong, it's poisonous. It's part of the life of having gone astray. It's a lie is another word that he gives for it here. It's a poison. It has a deadly effect. The, the, the effect here is, is the deafness that seems to be uh, this, this sin, the deafness, the unteachableness, their unwillingness to learn. That's what's wrong with this cobra-like estranged one, the one who is walking in the wide path. David tells us his prayer, break their teeth in their mouth. Let them flow away. Let them just be washed away in the, in the waters that is flowing away after a flood. It seems harsh. I think some of you would, would feel this is, is too harsh. Um, diminish. Let them diminish. You know, he talks about the slug leaving its, its, its track on the sidewalk, and you can almost kind of picture the slug melting away as it's walking down the sidewalk. The other picture that he gives in regards to this judgment is the birth of the stillborn. He, he says, may their, may their future include the, the same sort of loss as the death of a stillborn. What a, what a harsh and what a, what a terrible thing to begin to think about but when you when you understand what David is writing about and, and teaching us about in this psalm is what should the future be and what will the future be for this kind of poison for this kind of godlessness you don't want it to reproduce from generation to generation do you of course you don't you would hope that the children of this kind of a strange life wouldn't come to life. You don't want this to reproduce. Nobody wants to see this. And, and it will not be. When we get to the end of the age and we enter glory, when the children of God are all brought to the throne of God and when we enter into the kingdom that will go forever and ever and ever, should there be a little encampment of this just outside the gates, hurling rocks at the kingdom of heaven and cursing their blasphemies at the Redeemer? No, God will judge them. He must judge them. He's just. David is simply telling us about God's sure work toward them. He shall take them away as with a whirlwind, as in his living and burning wrath. In verse 9, this is simply a, a vindication of the faithful. The faithful who will stand with their creator. The faithful who will stand with their redeemer. Will rightly expect to see this end. And they're vindicated for hoping and leaving their hope and confidence in the Lord. Standing with the truth. Standing with the righteous. Speaking with the righteous. That's what David is telling us about here. So how do you do this? You love God. The greatest commandment is you love God. You must love God in truth. We must be seekers of God in truth. That's how you 
love him. We know him in truth. We love him in truth. We search for truth. We, we be with his people. Don't be a death cobra that kills. Be a teachable heart and a teachable mouth. That your heart and your mouth would glorify the Creator and the Savior. Don't make camaraderie with the wicked. This is an important lesson, I believe, to take from this psalm. Don't have camaraderie with the wicked. You know why it's important to not have most of your friends be non-believers? They help you live in love all of the treasures of unbelief. They help you love it. They help you grow numb towards the wickedness of wickedness. Don't look for entertainment in the profane and the violent and the sensual. When you find entertainment in, 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 in ungodly pleasures, in ungodly violence, and in godly sensuality, when you do that, it's, it's like becoming addicted to a drug. You make yourself used to it. And this is why you shouldn't be comrades. This is why you shouldn't have your, your friends in the world. It causes you to be numb to these things. Lot is such an amazing example from the Old Testament. You remember Lot, when he was told to, to leave Sodom and Gomorrah, he could barely leave. His wife didn't want to leave. His children didn't want to leave. I'm not saying this to to ascribe to Lot some, some special sinfulness. The reason I'm sharing with you this example is, is because he's not a special sinner. He's a normal sinner. You need to realize you are like Lot and your ability to absorb the wickedness that around you is the same as Lot. And if you subject yourself to these things, your attitude is going to be colored and tarnished and flavored by this godlessness. And it destroys people. It's like, it's like putting a nice piece of metalwork in salt water. It just gets eaten up and slowly erodes away. People in Sodom and Gomorrah pulled him down. Lot probably thought, oh... I'll be able to maintain my standards. I'm going to maintain my fear for God and I'm going to maintain my faithfulness to the covenant given to Abraham. I'm going to walk with God in this place. My wife likes it here and it's not that bad. Lot probably justified his choice with many, many, many defenses when he decided he would go and live there. What did he do wrong? Listen carefully to this part of our devotion this morning. What did he do wrong? He overestimated his strength. He overestimated the greatness and the strength of man. Men are not strong. He should have been hanging out with believers. He should have went and found his uncle Abraham and lived with him. We all think too highly of our own strengths and of our own fortitude and of our own discipline. Be careful. Choose your friends carefully. Choose your church carefully. And spend time with your church. Spend time with your Christian friends. Don't don't let the world and its promises and its corrosions rub off on you. Rub off on your heart. Rub off on your mouth. Don't let it do that. 
because that's what they do. Those things jade your view. They, they color your view and your understanding and your thinking. Lot never should have lived there. Take a minute now and, uh, and pray. I'm going to give you a, a couple minutes just in your own heart where we can pray together. And then uh, we'll pray as a congregation again.